forgive me, I uh, confess that on my way to church this morning, I forgot my own copy of this book where I was going to read some passages, and they're all, they're all very well underlined and little side notes of things I was going to say, and now I have a very blank book because I had to go and sneak one out of Father Matthew's office. If he asks where his book is, you can tell him I, I have it. <coughs> The book is The Hidden Heart of the Man by uh, Archimander Zacharias. It's the red book. There's a green book, which I highly recommend as well. Um, you know, I was talking with someone um, this past week about why we were created. And not sort of in a general why was everything created? But why were you created? Okay, that's my question. Why were you created? Why specifically you? Why were you created? Now the answer maybe isn't very specific. Why were you created? I'm, I'm seriously asking you. What's that? I don't know what that means. <laughs> Yeah. I think our role in people sometimes even in ways that we don't realize. And sometimes it's uh, maybe to have an effect on others. Certainly. Our, our, the purpose of our lives definitely involves other people. Okay. Anybody else? Um, yeah. Well, each of us, we're growing in knowing something to offer and we all have a purpose to fulfill here. And, and we all, everything we do, our thoughts, our behavior affects other people. Since this, since this is recorded, I have to try to repeat what she said, which was very profound. Um, we are all unique, and we were created for our own um, unique set of gifts that God has given us for the benefit of those people around us. And um, yours was longer. But, uh, okay. So you said to fulfill our own purpose. And that's it. What is our purpose? Or rather, I should say, what is your purpose? What is the whole point of your life? Seems like if we don't know, we're going to have a hard time fulfilling it, aren't we? Okay. To gain salvation. The, the point of our life is to gain salvation. Yes. Yes. We need to work together as a community to gain salvation. So if one person is missing from the community, that could make it harder for us all. The purpose of our lives is to participate in the community. And these were all definitely different aspects of, and I'm not trying to say that I have the answer, but I want to offer you a, maybe a different answer than you've thought of before. There are many things involved in what our purpose is and how we sort of flesh out that purpose. You had something you want to say? Yeah, to know and love God and to take the love He bestows on us and bestow it on others. Is it? Our gifts. You were created... For, and I'll just take her answer and go with that. You were created first and foremost for love. In the Psalms it says, for his good pleasure we are created. 
It was God's pleasure to create each one of you as you are. And we talked, last time I did a Theology One, about this incredible, incomprehensible, infinite God who is incomprehensible in in His infinity. And yet, He knows each one of us. And He creates each one of us individually. You know, we see the the mass of people out there. And we see that, that each single person is imbued with the Holy Spirit and is imbued with the great potential to know God. And that is why we are created. He created us for love, for His pleasure, for some reasons we don't know exactly, except that we are t- so that we can know Him. And when we say no, we don't mean know here. We don't mean know Him, like know about Him, and yes, we understand the Gospel, we understand kind of the Trinity, and we understand all these mysteries of the church to the degree we're able to, and yes, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know the truth of the gospel, I know what's going to happen in scripture, I know, but but that's not the knowledge we're talking about, at least I'm trying to talk about. We were created that God would know us intimately. Our commander, Zacharias, um, talks a lot about the teachings of um, Elder Sophoni, and he, he, the, the words that he used is that God targets the heart of each man. And he is reaching, and woman, and he is reaching out for each of us towards our hearts. And yet most of us are not, I would say, very well in tune with our heart. We are estranged from our hearts. We know a lot here, But our our minds and our hearts are separate. They're not not working together necessarily. Most of you have probably experienced conflict inside of yourselves. The things that you feel that are important and that you ought to do and the things that you know that you can do or, or whatever. You feel that conflict. And very often that conflict is obviously because we're living in a fallen world, but that conflict is because um, our hearts and our minds are sort of estranged from one another. So if I could endeavor to try to um, read a couple of pieces so it's just not me yakking at you, but to try to answer the question I offer you is that we are created to know God, to, to have fellowship with Him, to, um, to live and share in His love, and then to be a conduit of His love to our community around us. Okay. Now we know we're supposed to love everyone, and we know that our love always falls short because of our own um, sin and whatever. But we are called to be a conduit of God's love and, and just because we know Him, because we are living in relationship with Him. And uh, that is our purpose. That is our whole point. You were not put here to do any great work. You were not put here to invent a new kind of democracy, no matter what your gifts are. You were not put here to invent some new thing. You were not put here to um, do any specific thing that might seem great and good. Your whole point is to live out a relationship with Jesus Christ our God. That's it. And we think we have to have some big plan. Our whole, our whole thing is just to know God in our hearts. And so what's our first step then? Our first step is to 
get our heads in our hearts so that we can know Him. Because it is our hearts that He is targeting. Of course, our minds and our whole self. So forgive me, let me see if I can read a little bit here. This is the very first line of the introduction. All the ordinances of the undefiled church are offered to the world for the sole purpose of discovering the deep heart, the center of man's hypostases, of his person. According to the Holy Scriptures, God has fashioned every heart in a special way, and each heart is his goal, a place wherein he desires to abide, that he may manifest himself. God has fashioned every heart in a special way. And each heart is His goal, a place where He desires to abide that He may manifest Himself. Since the kingdom of God is within us, the heart is the battlefield of our salvation. And all ascetic effort is aimed at cleansing it of all filthiness and preserving it pure before the Lord. Quote, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, exhorts Solomon, the wise king of Israel. These paths of life pass through man's heart, and therefore the unquenchable desire of all who ceaselessly seek the face of the living God is that their heart, once deadened by sin, may be rekindled by His grace. Do any questions? I can stop it for each little bit. It's hard just to listen to a lot. So it is our heart that God desires, and so when we offer ourselves in the liturgy, what are we offering? Well, we're offering our time. We're trying our best to offer our attention. We offer our gifts through our stewardship. We offer our money. Um, we offer our praise through the songs that we sing. But the ultimate goal. All the ordinances of the church are so that we can offer up our hearts. There's a part in the service um, where it's called the anaphora in Greek, which is the offering up. And I don't know if Father is very tall, so you may not be able to see around him, but there's a part where I pick up the gifts and I lift them up, right? And this is the moment where we are offering what? To God. Everything. Everything we are. Our entire person. And on there, there is a little crumb that Father made out of the offering with your name on it. Literally. Absolutely literally. He went like this and said your name during the post committee. And everybody else's name. I think we, as the, the priest reads the, the name, I think he reads all of the people that are in our parish or associated with our parish, and all of the Kumbari and family members that have ever been offered. We have thousands of names that are read every time. And there's this pile of, of crumbs for the living and cr- for the dead, and we offer everything up. So it is in the liturgy where we are offering up all of ourselves, all of our heart. Sometimes we probably don't think, we're not really thinking that during the liturgy, though. The heart is the true temple of man's meeting with the Lord. Man's heart seeketh knowledge, 
quote unquote, both intellectual and divine, and knows no rest until the Lord of glory comes and abides therein. On his part, God, who is a jealous God, will not settle for a mere portion of the heart. In the Old Testament, we hear his voice crying out in Proverbs, My son, give me thy heart. And in the New Testament, he commands, Thou shalt love the the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. That's from Matthew chapter 12. He is the one who has fashioned the very heart of every man in a unique and unrepeatable way. He is the one who has, let me read it again, he who has fashioned the heart of every man in a unique and unrepeatable way. Though no heart can contain him fully, because God is greater than our heart, according to St. John. Nevertheless, when man succeeds in turning his whole heart to God, then God himself begets it by the incorruptible seed of his word, seals it with his wondrous name, and makes it shine with his perpetual and charismatic presence. He makes the heart a temple of his divinity, a temple not made with hands, able to reflect his shape and to hearken unto his voice and bear his name. In a word, man then fulfills the purpose of his life, the reason for his coming into the transient existence of the world. God desires to come and dwell in us, and we know these words, but we don't have a sense until we really read deeply the fathers of the church and, and, and maybe have higher expectations for ourselves. We know God made us, and He made each of you uniquely to know Him. Not because of anything special you are, but because of everything special that He made you to be. And He desires to come and dwell in you, to really dwell in your heart fully. And, you know, I, I think we don't have necessarily that expectation that God would come fully dwell in us. We ask Him to help us with our lives. We ask Him to help us be good people. We ask Him to help us um, to love one another. But uh, how often are we spending our time in prayer and in liturgy? God, come and dwell in me so that I can then be a conduit of your love, not my weak love, my own kind of mustered-up love, but that I can be um, your servant, that you can really, really dwell in me. And then we can kind of get a glimpse that if he does that, little by little, well, we will then begin to emulate the saints, who personified us, of course. We think saints are so far, but what was the difference between them and us? Well, they had united their mind and their heart, and somehow were able to allow God to come and dwell in them. Well, you do pray for him to come and abide in us. Every like three times a service, or whatever. It's true. It's true. I guess I'm thinking more specifically about our own sort of personal orientation. Yeah. 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 Is this part of the. It is. No, for sure. I'm not. I'm not trying to say there's anything different here. Yeah. It is definitely part of the service. It says, He makes it a temple of our heart, a temple of His divinity, a temple not made by hands, a temple able to reflect His shape and to hearken unto His voice and to bear His name. So, 
This is the great goal of our life, and as it says, the great purpose of our lives, to be able to bear Christ in our lives. And it says, all of the ordinance of the church are designed for this purpose. Now, what ordinance of the church? We fast, we serve in the liturgy, and we pray. And all of these are meant to accomplish one goal. The uniting of getting, us getting in touch us getting in touch with our with our hearts. He goes on. The great tragedy of our time lies in the fact that we live, speak, think, and even pray to God outside our heart, outside our Father's house. We live and think and even pray to God outside our Father's house. And truly, our Father's house is our heart, the place where the Spirit of glory and of God would find rest, that Christ may be formed in us. Indeed, only then can we be made whole and become hypostases, persons in the image of the true and perfect person, the Son and Word of God, who created us and redeemed us by the precious blood of His ineffable sacrifice. Now, this is all very theoretical, isn't it? I mean, in a sense, we know this, you may have heard this before, that the whole point of our lives, the whole point of the structure of the, of the, of the, of our, of our orthodox lives is for us to engage our hearts with our minds so that they're going the same direction. Um, and how do we do that? How do we do that? Yeah. Service. My, my heart always feels most aligned if I'm serving, whether that's a immediate spouse, immediate family, or extended family, or my neighbor, or the group. Yeah. That's when I feel like I'm prayer and all that sort of coming to fruition, if you will. Yeah. But just by myself. I can have good feelings about praying and liturgy and all of those things, but if I don't share it in some way, well, certainly. And I think that I would say that that is absolutely essential. Essential, but I might say that that is more a fruit of the dwelling of God. I mean, there are many people who are very good servants in the world who serve. For secular reasons, for humanity, it's a good thing to do to serve people, and they get that similar good feeling. Our service is definitely commanded by God that we are to be um, almsgivers. And by almsgivers, we don't just mean money. Um, but our, the, the, the service that we can provide really is a fruit of our being a dwelling place of God and of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do in our daily lives that we can just be super practical about how we can get our heads I mean our heads are going all over the place all the time in our jobs in our family in our finances in our work in our commuting during liturgy are your, are your minds not going all over the place? except during your homilies <laughs> especially especially during my homilies Lord have mercy um, uh, you know we always feel a little guilty because our minds wander in the liturgy. And there was a great and holy, 
holy priest, and uh, I can't remember exactly who it was, um, but uh, it was towards the end of his life, and, and one of, some of his his uh, his uh, monks were attending on him, and they were asking him what what was one great thing that he wished that he had done, or something like that. And he said, and this is this this guy who would like. Angels would appear during his liturgies, right? And he, he said his great wish that he could serve one liturgy without being distracted by other thoughts. So if the great saints are distracted by their thoughts, um, we can give ourselves a little bit of a break, and yet, and yet, with every effort, bring our minds continually back and uh, don't beat ourselves up too much, but at the same time, um, we'll beat ourselves up a little bit. Yes? Their heads were someplace else. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you don't get those spiritual eyes to, 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 look, to look towards me when I'm trying to serve. Yeah. Um, so later on in the teachings of in this book and in others, um, the teachings of Elder Sofroni, um with the method, if there is a method of uniting our heads and our hearts, is. And it's not legalistic. It's, it's, just, it's just things that we can do in real practical ways. And number one is... Uh, these are not in, in any particular order. I sure hope I remember all three. Um, one is that we need to be um, invoking the name of Christ. This is the most difficult thing in the beginning because we don't. We are very, very distracted. But we need to say the Jesus prayer. We need to be invoking the name of Christ... Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And let that name, Jesus Christ, be the... You know, sometimes it's like, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. You know, the me part is the big part because we're really focused on all the troubles we're having. But we need to turn that prayer and make Lord Jesus Christ the focus of that prayer. And say it slow and don't care how many you're doing, but let that prayer fill every space you have in your life. When you're going from here to there, let that space turn off the radio because NPR is not that interesting. Okay, and and say the Jesus prayer. Okay, um, number two, the thing, and that's number number one. If we're not going to do that, we cannot expect that we will find our hearts. And if we will not, if we cannot find our hearts, we cannot find Christ. God, we will not know where He is. Number number two is to be reading the Scripture. Now. This is a longer talk that I could do, but I, we sometimes read scripture and we feel like, man, I don't really get it. I'm just reading it. It's not going in. That's okay. Reading scripture or reading books like this, when we read both of those, we don't expect that we're, we're reading it like we're reading a manual. You know, if you're reading a book on how to install your dishwasher, by the end of that, you expect that you're going to know how to get your dishwasher in. Right? And so we kind of approach Scripture the same way. It's like, okay, oh yeah, I read First John. Got it. 
read our commander Zacharias. Yeah, I read that book. Right? Somebody once said to me, "Yeah, I read that. I really couldn't, really couldn't get into it." And and I said, "Yeah, I couldn't get into it either. I'm trying to get it into me because." I read, I read some of the books I read, especially Archimedes Zacharias, and I'll underline, and then I go back and read it again, and I underline different things. And I go, how did that not... We don't see the same thing each time. So when we read Scripture or holy books, we read with the expectation that God will illumine us, and He'll give us some little nugget to hold on to, and that little nugget we can then meditate on, and God will illumine us. I mean, I, I think there's a temptation to get a book like this and to get through it, as opposed to try to make the truth that's in that book get through us. Okay, so that's number two. Well, the first one was the name of Christ. The second one is to have Scripture in us. So the more Scripture we have inside of us, um, God will bring it to mind right when we need it. If we continually flood our minds with um, the Scriptures, then when we need it, um, that scripture might come to mind to give us comfort, to give us some knowledge that would help us connect with our hearts. And the third, and this is huge, is the liturgy. And for any of you who have small children, you know how difficult the liturgy is. The liturgy is our life. The liturgy is not a ritual that we do to, per, to per, uh, hold on to some traditions. The liturgy is where our life is. And that when we partake of the body and blood of Christ, this is the principal means in the communion by, by which that we invite Christ into our lives. This, this is our life. And we should make every effort to be on time to liturgy so that we have a chance to really quiet our minds so we can find our hearts a little bit during the liturgy, to be on time, and then to be and to go to liturgy as often as we can. As often as we can. Um, if we don't have anything else going on, it's a chore to get over here sometimes, wherever you're coming from. But the liturgy is our lives. And like Scripture and like the readings from the Fathers, um, the liturgy continues to open itself up to us. The liturgy is con- almost entirely composed of scriptures, and it is in that repetition of the liturgy that God is reaching out specifically to us and to our hearts. And so those are the three things. And if we do those things with faith and with longing, and, um, and as Father said in his sermon today, with eagerness, then we can expect that, we, that God is going to meet us and that we are going to see not progress. We're not going to get better at doing anything specifically. But what we're going to come and we're going to fulfill our purpose. And our purpose is to know God. And not to know Him here. Not to know more about Him. Not to know the Scriptures better. All of that will happen. Um, but our purpose is, to, is to, to experience Him. To know Him. And uh, if, if we happen to get better at doing any certain thing... Um, then that's not ours to count on. That's just uh, the fruit, as we're saying, the fruit of, uh, of what, what happens when our, when our hearts are with us, when our minds and our hearts are connected together. Okay, so forgive me, I just kind of get on a tear and go, for lack of... Any questions that you guys have thought of that you want to ask me? Yes? Part of 
of aligning your head and your heart seems to really depend a lot on discernment. And being able to do the Jesus prayer helps, I can see how that helps, where it helps clear your mind of things that um, take the focus off of God. Things that can be temptations or distractions or whatever. Being able to focus on the name of Jesus and, and, and trying to have that be your sole focus. And reading scripture, Especially important, and very tricky too, because you don't know how to. Like what you're saying, you read scripture, and you can't really get it. You know, you read John and say, "Oh yeah, I got it." Um, what can we do to help improve our discernment when we're doing things like reading scriptures, where it could be, you know, you could take different paths or different different ways. question. I don't know. Um, however, I'm pretty sure that discernment is not something that, it's not a skill. It's a gift. Okay? So to the degree that we are able to pray and to invite God into our hearts, remember, He is always right there. He has targeted us. He is always reaching out to us, always. And we merely have to turn, and God is there. And so, if discernment is something we need to understand Scripture, then God's going to give us that. And we do have, we do have, there are various parts of the, of the Christian life where we definitely need discernment. Especially, I think, mostly in our relationships with the world around us. What do we say? How do we act? where we have to make decisions about these things. We need some discernment about what we should say to that friend at that time. What word of encouragement might that person need now? That's where we get discernment. But I think, um, I think we, we don't, that's not a skill we can really work on. It's something that God gives us. And how does He give us that? He gives us that through more and more knowing Him. Being available, being open. I mean, it is a difficult thing to do even these three things to read scripture takes time to say the Jesus prayer takes time I can't tell you how many times where I flop into bed and I'm laying there I should really get up and say it's in Jesus prayers maybe I'll just say a few you know right here and the number is very few you know if you're trying to pray that's the greatest way to fall asleep seriously the devil does not want you to pray. I'm not saying this is a technique you should use for, to help your insomnia, but, I mean, what better way to fall asleep than to be calling on the name of Jesus Christ? And when one experiences that sense of burnout or just overwhelmed with, then that's a check that your heart and mind aren't united with Christ. Is that, would that be a fair statement? Well, you're probably asking questions that are way above my pay grade. So, um, forgive me. Um, I think that we all need to start, whether we're in a state of burnout or whether we're having a great time, all of us, to to a greater extent, probably than a lesser extent, all of us have trouble with our heads and our hearts being uh, not together 
to, to, and so, yes, um, when we are trying to muster it up and do all the work and serve and to, to do all the things we need to do, and we are really not in that process of uniting ourselves to Christ, then it's just us doing it, and we've got a, we've got a finite amount, right? Well, that's the beauty of our God. He doesn't run out. And so, you know, and, which is good because we have almost nothing to offer Him. So we, so this, what does it say? That the Christian life requires all of us and all of God, right? And so imagine, so let's, let's say you get a recipe, right? And you're looking for the recipe for the Christian life. You say, okay, all of us and all of God. So we put all, all that we got, and it's like a teaspoon, right? And then God puts His ocean in, and, it, and He says it's just perfect. So I, I don't know if that's practical in any way, except that the, the source of all that we need to do in this world isn't us. Except it is, because God wants that teaspoon. Because He can't be an ocean for us unless we've given Him our teaspoon. So to answer your question back, probably the answer is, if we're experiencing burnout, then, then we definitely need to look at our hearts and we need to ask God for help. And this is all of us. What, what is it like? If you we, if we look at the uh, pre-communion prayers, it says, or somewhere, I can't remember where it is, it says, He has established, He has established what for salvation? What's the word? You know, you know the part I'm talking about? God has established boom for salvation. It's our favorite word. Repentance. Now, what is repentance? Repentance is turning towards Christ and asking Him, help me to unite my mind and my heart. And uh, anyway, I, I guess we're way over time or something. Kids are running around, and your kids are running around. So that was time. So let's all rise. I know we spent a long time praying together in there. We'll say a little prayer for the rest of the day. Well, Lord Jesus Christ, our God, we thank you for this beautiful sunny day that you've given us to spend in this dark room with no windows. We ask that um, you uh, guide us this day and help us to do those things that will open up our hearts uh, to you and allow you to come, come and abide in us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.